Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Depending on what part of the world you are joining us from, I am Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. And today I'm very excited to uh, introduce a very new guest to the Growth Institute community, Connor Neal. He's a visiting professor at the University College Dublin, University of Montevideo, and permanent faculty on the entrepreneurs organization, Global Leadership Academy. He has a YouTube channel on leadership and influence with over 270,000 subscribers and 22 million views. And I'm very excited to have him joining the community today to talk about kind of a new topic around the power of persuasion and the art of leading people to actually take action. So Connor, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. Uh, Where are you joining in from today? I'm here in Barcelona. I know a lot of your teaching stems from Aristotle, and I'm curious to get into that and why you chose Aristotle. How did you start learning about these things? Um, If if you could just kind of start with some background for us. Yeah, I think uh, if you can see just behind me on the shelf, you'll see a small statue of Aristotle, who I keep there with me, because in some ways I feel that my teachings, I'm just channeling Aristotle. And you know, you, you asked why Aristotle, and I guess because I kind of discovered he addresses the questions that I find that are still of interest to me and to, to many entrepreneurs and business leaders today. You know, so just, what is a good life? What's a good day? You know, how do you how do you make decisions? And you know, I tell people when I start teaching, uh, everything that I'm about to teach is stolen from a book that was written 2,300 years ago. The book called The Rhetoric by Aristotle. And Rhetoric by Aristotle, he didn't sit down and write it. It's the notes of a student of his who sat through his classes on this the art of persuasion. And yeah, I'm not going to go into too much detail here on Aristotle's philosophy, his answers to what makes a good life. Uh, he does have one thing that I think is very powerful. He, he talks about values. And he makes a list of the most important values. But he says there's one value that is above all the other values. Because without this value, none of the other values have any worth. And this value is courage. And you know, to me, I, I've been part of entrepreneurs' organization for 17 years. I've been teaching in a business school for many years. And sometimes when, when I'm working with an EO forum, when I'm working with senior business leaders, you know, I tell them that you know, an issue that's worth us dealing with in this space is anything that makes your hands sweat when you think about sharing it. If it doesn't make your hands sweat, if it doesn't require some courage to be vulnerable and open up, it's probably not an issue that's worth bringing into this space. And people very often at the beginning of a session of mine smile and think, ha ha, that's very funny. Uh, a few minutes in, they realize my role in the classroom is not to provide content. I think today, if anyone wants to learn something, YouTube has millions of videos. Every book ever written is probably out on the internet somewhere. So this question is, you know, my role as a teacher, your role in this podcast is not so much to, to be the source of content. I mean, there's two things I want to achieve when I 
step in as a teacher to a class. One, that people believe that this could make a difference in their own life, that this content, becoming more persuasive, using the frameworks, these ideas, doing the work that Connor will put us through, I will be more able to achieve the goals that are important to me, both personally and professionally. The second thing they need to feel is to see that a little bit of work generates a growth, generates a return, that they can see by actually following some of these patterns, these structures, doing the work, almost within minutes, I can see a difference in the way that people respond to me. So if I can give these two fields, you know, one, this is important, and two, you can, you're going to get onto YouTube, you're going to read the books, you're going to subscribe to the podcasts and begin to, to let this content come into your life. This community is a community of leaders looking to create more impact and reduce the drama of building the businesses that they're a part of. And you know, you mentioned there are four things that you believe a leader must be able to do if they're going to move people to action or an outcome um, and inevitably scale their impact and reduce drama. So I'm wondering if you could share those four things. Well, the four things would be what you need to do to communicate. A leader is okay. more than just a communicator. So I, I think I'd, I'd be clear. This is what you need to do to communicate well. And to communicate well, whether as a leader, as a parent, as a friend, you need four things. One, have something to say. Two, say it well. Three, say it with intensity. Four, connect with the audience. And one, have something to say. The most valuable things that we have to share are our own life, our own experiences, our own experience of success and failure, our dreams, our hopes, and learning to, to capture in, in a notebook. You know, for me, I think one of the, the, the linchpin habits in my life is just journaling, writing down each morning, each afternoon, what's going on. So to have something to say, one thing is get a journal and just start to write down what's happening to you. Write down what dreams you have especially embarrassing dreams that you don't want other people to see. You know, sadly, you know, when we stop being kids, we often lose the big dreams that are kind of embarrassing. You know, for my six-year-old, she can dream really big. She's not embarrassed by it. My 15-year-old starts to move her dreams down to what's realistic. And by 25, 30 years old, most of us have forgotten what we dreamt about and have gone down to what's realistic. So have something to say is you need to remember your dreams. You need to remember why you want to work, why you want to build the business. Say it well. Uh, one of the worst ways of communicating is what I call thinking out loud. And it's very clear when someone is in the mode of thinking out loud versus in the mode of actually communicating. If something is important to you, write it down. Writing something down puts structure to it. Then switch on mobile phone, switch it into selfie video mode and record yourself saying it. And the first time you share the words of a vision, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be cluttered. It's not going to be clear. So make sure you don't do it to the most important people. Do it on your phone. Do it to your dog. Practice five, six, seven times on your mobile phone so you get a feeling of how these words come out of your mouth. Do not, don't let it be the first time that you're in front of the audience that can make a huge difference in your life that you, you speak out loud for the first time 
the words that convey what your dream is, what the resources you're looking for, why it's important. So to say it well, say it often. Third, intensity. And the secret to caring is care. You know, stop and remember what you care about. Uh, and I mean, you know, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, said that there are three whys that can get you anything through any how. Number one is other people. Like, who are the other people you serve? Who are the other people that you really want to be there to help them really face the life that they have? The second is a project only you can complete. So what are the projects that only you can complete, that you are needed here on this earth for? And the third is to see the journey, to see the suffering, to see the problem, the drama, not as problems, but this is life. You know, life is problems. Running a business is choosing to face problems. The day you don't have any problems is a very worrying time. And, and here, I think problems push us to grow. And you will be never given a problem that is too big for you. Sometimes looking at the problem, you think, I'm, I wish I didn't have this problem. I feel small. I feel incapable. But it's only the existence of that problem that's going to force you to look inside yourself, look around you, and find the resources you truly have to bring to the world. So intensity is you've got to care. You've got to connect to why these things matter. And, and I think we know when we're speaking with someone who cares, and we know when we're speaking to someone who's just posting it in, they're just going through the motions. And the fourth is connect with the person, connect with the other. And I, I often start my classes and tell them, you know, if, if you only remember one thing about powerful communication is this, uh, there's two things, what I want to say, what you need to hear. If you're speaking from what I want to say, it is not great communication. If you're stopping and you're putting yourself in the shoes of the other, you're thinking, who are they? What are they facing? What is quality of life for them? What do they need from me here? And start from that. What did they need from me? This is putting yourself in their shoes, connecting with them. And sometimes when you ask, what do they need to hear? The answer is, I don't know which is a wonderful, honest answer. You need to go and ask. You need to go and spend time in their life. You need to get to know them. One thing as a leader, I think one of the roles of the leader is to just walk around an organization and keep asking these four questions. You know, anyone you cross in the corridors, anyone you see anywhere, you ask these four questions. One, what's going well? Two, what's not going well? Three, what would you change? Four, what else? And if anyone listening to this podcast thinks, oh, I, I love those questions, writes them down, and tomorrow they roll into work and down every corridor near the water cooler by the printer, they ask people, what's going well? What's not going well? What you're going to get back is faces thinking, oh. the first time you ask these questions, you're not going to get very deep answers. The second time, not so deep answers. It's asking these questions over and over and over again until people realize that you care. You want to know what's going well. You want to know what they're dealing with. You want to know what they're thinking that would change. And I, I guess sometimes as a leader, you can feel that whatever they share, you have a responsibility to act immediately and now. You don't. The leader's job is not to solve problems. It's, it's to make sure that there's a feeling within the organization that we know 
what we're dealing with. We know where we're going and we know that there's some problems and that the leader has a real sense of what's going on in my life, of what I'm facing. Not that he's solving it or she's solving it, but there's an awareness. So one of the big mistakes that you've shared in your course uh, around communication that leaders are making is what you're calling an idealistic rant. And I, I encourage you to kind of share what that is and how you've seen it play out in you know, the workspace and when you're, when you're communicating with your, your internal team and why it's you know, an ineffective communication method. Well, sometimes I, I think you know, something that I, I learned from some of the tools of, of the Growth Institute, you know, the, the, the one-page strategic plan where you, you go from what to do today and what are the rocks and what's 30 years out. And to me, there's something important in leadership of, of being able to deal with these two time horizons of long-term what's never going to change, what's always going to be right, what are our values, what's our dream. And you know, I, I tell people that a five-year strategic plan is not going to attract great people because five years is just a list of tasks. You need 30 years to really dream big and, and have you know, I think Jim Collins, what's the, the big, hairy, audacious goal? It needs to be so big, it's almost embarrassing that when you say it, people kind of laugh at the audaciousness of it. But if that's big, you're going to attract great people. But you need to know what you're doing today. And, and I think idealistic rant is sometimes there's things that we know need to change, but we don't know what the step we can take today with the resources we have either myself or myself with you or within our organization. So what I, I say is leadership is to see a change that is required in the future and bring together the resources to take the first step. And in your life, in my life, in the life of the listeners, the resources are human beings. Human beings control budgets. Human beings control attention. Human beings can bring other human beings with them. And an idealistic rant, one example I give of an idealistic rant would be someone, you know, stepping up in front of the, the organization and saying, every child in the world deserves a roof over their head. Every child in the world deserves to be, go to school to the age of 18, not have to work. Every child in the world deserves fresh, clean water at home from a tap. Every child in the world deserves a hospital within 10 miles and nurses within five miles. Every child in the world deserves dignity. And there's a huge applause. They come down from the stage. Do you know how many children notice a single difference? Zero. This is an idealistic rant. You take all of the energy, all of the positive desire of people to make this world better, but you don't channel it anywhere. And I think you know, your listeners care not just about having a big vision, but how do you execute? How do you bring together the resources, the organization, the structure, the communication, so we take action, that action happens today that moves us forward? I think, you know, I, I, there's a speech I give at the end of my courses when there's, there's a good bit of connection. And I say, back in 2008, I went through a very tough period as an entrepreneur. My business went bankrupt. We were in private jets and post Lehman, uh, you know, the, the jets just stopped flying. And over a couple of months, we just watched our bank account drop down to, to almost zero. And for me, it was a really tough period of life. 
And for a lot of 2009, I was an angry, bitter person who felt that the world had happened to him. I was not on podcasts talking about positivity or Aristotle. I was angry and bitter and felt that this was not fair, that I had done nothing wrong, that it was not fair that I was now without cash. But during 2009, I had a moment where I guess three things came clear to me, faith, hope, and love. And hope is that action changes the future. Only action changes the future. Thinking about action changes nothing. If I think I should call my father, I'd like to see how my father is. And I think it and I don't take the action, nothing changes. If I pick up the phone and I dial the digits and I only get voicemail, I only leave a missed call, it's a small change. Action changes the future. But we human beings, we can, we can live in intention. And you know, I, I guess what entrepreneurs learn is, is how to turn intention into action, that only action changes. Only the phone call gets you the meeting. Only the meeting and making an offer gets you the sale. And, and this idea that in persuasion, you've got to sell a vision, but then you've got to get action here and now. Uh, and it's too easy to deceive ourselves that the other person is with us. It's only action that shows a commitment that really matters. What it is that the that doing the course yesterday helped you with? So I think the biggest thing was the emotional connection that you uh, that you talk about in the first part and in the end part, bringing people in, reliving an experience about why something is important to you making that connection with your audience. And then once you've gone through the other eight parts, it's important to reconnect. So they feel like things have come full circle once you've asked them to, to take the action. All right. There's an EO speaker called Malik Mohammed, who is, is brilliant. And he shares a formula for changing people. And he says, connection plus challenge equals change. Without connection, challenge is, is just rude or bullying. It, it, it doesn't lead to change. You have to connect with a human being and then challenge them to get a change. And, and this emotional connection, you know, one way of, of, of talking about it is, is there's a phrase I love, which is we don't resist change. We resist being changed. And this eight-part structure, the logos-based speech structure, which has survived down from the time of Aristotle. So it's not an invention of mine. It has come from Aristotle. It worked 2,300 years ago, and it still works today. And I think even though technology has changed, you know, Aristotle didn't speak on Zoom, didn't connect to Wi-Fi, didn't have internet, didn't have mobile phones, didn't fly on planes. But 2,300 years ago, the way one idea got from my mind to your mind and got you to do something that you would not have done had you not heard it from me, that hasn't changed. And, and one of the elements that's important is, is this idea of, of not pushing the change from me to you, but almost pulling you towards to, to make that it almost is you connect to why this is important to me in such a way that it almost feels like you also want to make this change. And that eight part structure that I share in the course, the beginning and the end is very much about connection, about really helping the other to not see you as a speaker pushing something towards them, 
but almost connect with something that was important in your life to the degree that it feels like it's important to them as well. And, and I guess you know, one part of persuasion is, is being clear that people are free to make a choice. They may not do what you ask, but you need to, to give them that choice in order to choose to be persuasive. And that choice means it becomes my responsibility to keep finding a way of communicating until they can see it. So I, I often say, uh, you know, after you do my course, I, I want you never to say, did you understand? Because did you understand makes it your responsibility to understand what I said. I will ask people when I finish my course, ask, have I been clear? Have I been clear? It's I'm taking the responsibility to keep going, to keep trying, to keep sharing in different ways, keep telling different stories until Alex sees it. Have you understood? Makes it your responsibility and you feel bad if you didn't get it, if you didn't see. So leadership from this, this idea of persuasion is one, I treat you as free to choose because if you freely choose to give, I'm going to get the best of you. If you give because you have to, I'm going to get the, the minimum requirement of what you need to give in order to comply with, with the audit that I might do. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.